Amen. 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 How are you guys doing on the Daniel Fest? Good. Anyone have a little headache? A little anxiety, caffeine separation? Amen. It's been a really amazing journey. And uh, for me and our family personally, it's the first time as a family we've done anything like this. And I didn't know that I could go like a, a whole week without meat. A whole week, no meat, no sweets, no meats, no sweets, no cheese, no caffeine. And I got to tell you, man, I feel this is the best I've felt the third service. I feel alive. My spirit's alive. And I'm grateful for you today. And I just pray that you just continue on. And we're going to finish this on February 3rd. And then we're just going to go right into a time where we call it an awakening conference. But we're, we're really asking God to do something special in our lives in church. It's going to start the third of the morning. We're going to start 6 o'clock Sunday night. Now, I know Sunday night, February 3rd, is tricky because it's the high holy day of all holy days. It's Super Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. And we're just we're taking on the Super Bowl this year. But we're going to go at 6 o'clock, and we'll be done. Uh, the first quarter will be getting over by the time we're getting out of here. So you'll have plenty of time. If you're still a Super Bowl fan, you can watch the Super Bowl. But we're going to come and seek the Lord. And then Monday night, we have Tim Weissman with us. And uh, he's, a, uh, he's a man of God. He's got a word for this church, and I believe he's got a word for you. He flows in the supernatural. He flows in miracles and, and words of knowledge and prophetic. And then on Tuesday, we have Alan Griffin with us. And uh, Alan is just a great brother. And you have a little card like this. You can take this card. You can invite someone. Hopefully, everyone got a card like this. If you didn't get a card, you should get a card. Our ushers, I don't know, they disappeared on me. But if you didn't get a card, make sure you get a card on your way out today. And then on Wednesday night, all Pastor Glenn will be finishing this, and we're excited about that. Hey, without uh, further ado, Pastor Glenn's got a little message that he wants to speak to us today about the awakening. Have you ever found yourself unable to accomplish something? Have you ever wondered why something didn't work out in your life? Well, Jesus tells us that certain things can only be accomplished through prayer and fasting. We are doing it. Here at City Church, we are going to be doing a 21-day fast starting January 13th. And it's going to end with a four-night revival conference featuring evangelist Alan Griffin, featuring evangelist Tim Wiseman, our very own lead pastor Eugene Smith, and myself. It is going to be an incredible time with God, so don't miss it. Join me and join your City Church family as we ask God for an awakening. Stand with me this morning. What are you looking at? Come on. What are you guys looking at? How do you guys like my new trench coat? It's pretty cool. This is a woman size 10. Cool. That's pretty good. Then little arms are a little short. Huh? I just I'll do the I'll do the runway walk. <laughs> All right. 
Turn your Bibles to Genesis. How do you go from here to there? Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 35. The title of my message this morning is Come Build an Altar. Everyone say, Come Build an Altar. And I believe this morning we're going to build some altars before God. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit has a word for you, has a challenge to you at the beginning of 2013. Because I, I believe that because He's challenged me. Genesis chapter 35, we're reading the story of a man by the name of Jacob. And the Bible says, then God said to Jacob. Did you hear that? Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar. Everyone say, build an altar. Build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. And so Jacob said to his whole household, to all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Everyone say, change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who's been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears. And Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on all the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. And Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. And there he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel. Everyone say El Bethel. Because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now I want you to look at verse 9. And the Bible says, And after Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. Everyone say Israel. And so he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. He is God Almighty. Say Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. And the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. And then God went up from him. So everyone say, up from him. And at that place where he had talked with him. And Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it, and he also poured out oil on it. And Jacob called the place where God had talked with him, Bethel. Let us pray. Father, I pray that every ear will hear. God, you will use me once again to communicate. God, not just my words, but I pray that these will become your words, Lord Jesus. They'll go from my mouth into their ears and to their hearts. And, Lord, you will speak. Speak clearly by your Holy Spirit today. I thank you for your grace. I need you, God. I need you this third service one more time to empower me, to to do what you called me to do, to declare your goodness in this generation. And I pray that when we leave here today, God, we'll be changed and altars will be built in our life to be worshipers of you. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jacob came from a really wild family. Jacob's family made Jersey Boys, Bridezilla, and Desperate Housewife look tame. I mean, when you read the story of Jacob's life and his family, and, and, and right now in our, our Bible study and our Bible, our Bible devotions that we're going through as a church for the year, we're doing the one-year Bible plan. And for the last week, we've been reading about the life of Jacob. And I'm reading through these pages, and some of them I have to read like two, three, four times because I can't believe the drama in their life. 
I always want to say, you know, when somebody brings their drama into my world, I always want to say, save the drama for your mama. But Jacob's life was full of drama. From the time he came out of the womb, his life was set apart, and he was just a drama boy. He was mama's boy, and mama's boys are usually drama's boys. And he was a drama boy, and, and Jacob had continual conflict in his home with his brother, and he tricked his brother out of his birthright, and that was the beginning. It went from bad to worse from there. And Jacob's life uh, took detours and turns, and although his father had been promised by God, his father had been promised that his, nation, his boys would be a blessing to the nations, Jacob's life was anything but that. I want to speak to us this morning, on, or this afternoon, on building altars to God. Because altars are significant in the Bible. 477 times the word altar is used. 477 times. 477 times there's references to, to, to altars in the Bible. Seven times Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob built altars to God. Altars were significant in the Bible, but they've always been significant throughout history. Pagan groups and, and, and groups that, that weren't worshipers of Yahweh, the one true God, they, they built altars. They would do all kinds of things. It was false worship. They would do all kinds of crazy things. They'd cut themselves and they'd put fruit stuff. And, and even some of the, the cultic practices that they had included sexuality. They would build altars and they would have, they would have vile sexual practices in front of these altars. It, it, was, just, it was vile in the face of God. And these nations, they were looking, they were searching, they were trying to find fulfillment. They were, they, were, they were trying to find God, but they were doing it by their own ways, and it wasn't working. God came and appeared to Abraham and Isaac and each of these men, Jacob. And in Genesis chapter 28, God comes to Jacob. It's the first of three times that God comes to Jacob. It's after he's tricked his brother. He's stolen the birthright, and he's received the blessing from his father. And, and, and he's run off, and he's afraid because his brother's so ticked off he's going to kill him. And, and Jacob's running for his life. And while he's sleeping, God appears to him. God comes to him. God comes to Jacob. God comes to Jacob, and, 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 and he's aware. He has this total awareness that this is God. He wasn't even seeking after it. But God's a promise-keeping God. God's a promise-keeping God. God promised Abraham and Isaac that their children, that their boys, would, would be a blessing to the nations. And God comes to Jacob, and, and Jacob wakes up from the dream. And, and, and in the dream, he saw, that he, he saw this ladder, and there were angels ascending and descending. And he wakes up, and he goes, wow, this is Bethel. This is the place of God. Surely God is in this place. And then he actually uses her. This is the gates of of heaven is what he says. This is the gates of heaven. We talk about worship and, and we, we love it. You maybe sense that I could just sense the presence of Jesus. He was so happy with us today as we were lifting our voices and worship this morning. I could just, it was tangible. It was real. It's exactly what Jacob felt 4,000 years ago. A tangible reality of the presence of God. And he called that place Bethel. The house of God. But i got to tell you something today. Just because you encounter God one time or two times or you went to a camp meeting or, or you went to youth camp or you came to a wide open service or you got saved someplace and you had this incredible encounter with God doesn't mean your life is going to be changed. It doesn't mean that. Because God is so merciful. And if you open your heart, he's going to touch you. 
But just because you've had an encounter doesn't mean that you walk with him. Because Jacob didn't walk with God. And for 26 years, 26 years, he lived his life far from God. He was a rascal. Everyone say rascal. And a rascal produced a bunch of rebellious children. He had a bunch of rebellious kids. And his kids were so bad. His kids were so bad that he had, they had all kinds of stuff going on in their lives. I mean, this jacket represents our old nature. This jacket represents our old way of life. I've got all kind of stuff on here that, that people carry around in their life. I've got yelling at my kids. Lust. Pornography. I mean, i got all kinds of stuff. I can't even read them all. Maybe you can help read a few for me. Can you just read a few of the things that are on there? Yeah, all that. Bad. <laughs> That's old. It's the old way of life. And Jacob... Jacob's this man who had who had been a rascal produced a bunch of kids and these kids were far from God. And Jacob needed something. Jacob needed something in his life because his kids had gotten so bad that they killed a whole bunch of people. They were murderers and then they stole from them. I mean, these guys were bad. They were really bad. And I want you to see something here this morning, because there's three things that I want you to see about the life of Jacob that I believe that God is going to speak to our heart today. You see, Jacob, Jacob encountered God because God pursued him. See, God initiates, God initiates a relationship with you. The second thing that I want you to see today is that God reveals himself to us at the altar. God reveals himself to us at the altar. The third thing I want you to see this morning is that God will reward us if we build an altar to him. We build an altar to him. Well, what is an altar? What is an altar today? What is an altar? I've defined an altar as a a time of setting aside a place to meet with God for a potentially life-changing encounter. Here's the deal. Jacob encounters God in Genesis, 20, in Genesis 28. It's 26 years, and we find ourselves in Genesis 35, and Jacob, his, his life is going south. He's got a bunch of kids that have done bad, and God speaks to him. God speaks to him. God speaks to him. Maybe God's been speaking to you today. Someone came out of the second service and said, it was like he just hit me, like God just hit me right between the eyes. God was just speaking to my life. God was just speaking. God speaks to Jacob. And here's what happens when God begins to speak to you. He always begins to speak to you about change. See, God never changes. He never changes. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he's a never-changing God. He's everlasting. But everything that God touches changes. Everything. God began to speak to Jacob. And as God began to speak to Jacob, Jacob felt conviction. You know what conviction is? is when you're doing wrong and you know it inside, but you try to drown it out. You, say, it's not, you know, and you start to, like, make compromises. And was that really, you know, I don't know. And, and the moment you start getting into that realm where you're like, you know, how close can I get? And what's, what, is it re- what does that really mean? You know, you're going off on a detour. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. 
And if any man, Revelation 3, 2, I love this verse. And if any man or anyone would open their heart, if you would open yourself to me, I will come in and I will have a meal with you. I'll have fellowship. I'll actually, the King James says, I will dine with you. Come and dine, the master says. I'll come and have a meal if you open your heart to me. And God speaks to Jacob. And God tells Jacob, God, you got to change some things. And Jacob knew it because Jacob had encountered God at this altar in Genesis chapter 20. He'd encountered God. He knew that God was real. He knew his power was real. And he's coming full circle because God said, you're going to come all the way back. God said, you're going to come all the way back to the altar. You're going to come back. You're going to come back. You will. I promise you. When you come back, I'm going to bless you. Oh, I'm going to make you the father of nations. And you're going to have land and possessions. And all these things are going to happen in your life. You're going to come back. And this is the moment. God initiated it. God initiated change in Jacob's life. And first thing that Jacob then says to his family, he says it to the Jersey boys. He says it to the desperate housewives. He, he says it to the bridezillas. I mean, he says it to all these grouped up family members of his. The first thing that he says to them is, get rid of your foreign isles. Get rid of your idolatry. Well, what's idolatry? Idolatry is just an affection set on something that's not God. An inordinate, a desire, a, a strong desire for something that pulls us away from true worship. We say, oh, I don't do that. Man, we are so, we spend so much time in our culture and entertainment. We make sports. The Super Bowl is an idol in our culture. And I love, and I watch Super Bowls, but it's an idol. And, 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 and it, it's gone farther and farther. I mean, from the time that I was a kid to where it is today, where you can hardly even watch the commercials. I mean, everything is just about entertainment. Everything's extreme. Right? Everything's extreme. All the, the sports are extreme. And all the, everything that people do is extreme. And some guy down, in, poor guy down in Florida, was part of this extreme competition to see how many roaches that he could eat a couple of months ago. And he died. He died. It was a radio contest. And, I mean, everything's like extreme. How far can you push the limit? And everything's about taking it over the edge. And, and it's idolatry. It's idolatry. And God says... Get rid of those things. Put them away. The second thing that God, the, the Holy Spirit, impressed upon Jacob, and he knew that his family needed to change. They needed to wash themselves. They needed to wash themselves. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul tells the church at Ephesus how you're to wash yourself. Well, how do you, you know, he's talking about ceremonial washing and taking a bath. But no, 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 I want to take this into the spiritual because Paul says, God said he's going to make her, the body of Christ, us. We are part of the body of Christ. I'm not a her, I'm a am. But in, in biblical language, the church is called a her. Jesus is the, and it's weird language, but it's the way the Bible does it, so I just go with it. Probably wouldn't be, you know, that's not how I think about it. But, but God says the church, we're the people and we're the bride of Christ. And he says he's going to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. That's how God cleanses us. That's how you change your mind and the way you think. You get into the word. It's, there's no other way. There's no other way. The only way you get a different perspective about your human sexuality is if you begin to see who God says you are in His Word. The only way you can get a different perspective about money and resources and giving and generosity is if you get into this Word because you begin to see that God is the biggest giver. God is the biggest giver. and He's given good gifts to men. and He loves to give. And because we have a heart and a nature after God, because we're born again, we love to give. We're His children. We love to give. 
The only way you can get a right perspective on race relations. The only way you can get a right perspective on politics. The only way you can get a right perspective on education, on science. The only way you can do it in your life is by getting into His Word. Because you begin to see God for who He really is. God says, wash yourself. And the third thing that He said to them is, listen, take off your clothes. You see, when you become a believer, God initiated it. When you accepted Christ, when Christ came into your life and saved you, he, he came and He saved you. You didn't do it. He did it. So God did His part when He sent His Son Jesus 2,000 years ago to live a sinless life, die on the cross, cry out from heaven, God forgive them for they don't know what they do. He paid the penalty and the punishment with His own blood. And then He rose from the dead on the third day and He sent it into heaven. And there He's making intercession and He's praying for you. And the Bible says that God did His part. But now God's asking you to do your part. And your part is putting off. Taking off the old clothes. The old grave clothes. Now here's the cool thing. God wants you to do your part. But even your part is still God. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't. You see, what, it, what the deal is, is that when God comes into your heart, He gives you His Holy Spirit. Everyone say Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into you, now you're not on your own. Now you're not trying to, like, pull yourself up by your bootstrap and go to a Tony Robbins empowerment meeting. And, and if I believe, I can achieve. And if I can think it, you know, I mean, all those kinds of things. It's not about pulling ourselves up. It's about God's Spirit coming into us and empowering us. See, I believe in a dream. But I believe that God gave me a dream to accomplish His purposes in my generation. And it's not by, amen, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. But it's not by my might nor by my power, but it's by His Spirit. God's Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us and empowers us. It's the grace. Everyone say the grace. The grace is the charis, the gift of God that teaches us to say no to the old way of life. God says put it off. And then He says come and let's go make an altar. Listen, God, God initiated it. And then God reveals himself. I want you to see verse number 7, chapter 35. And now he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel. Because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. God revealed himself to him. God revealed himself. God revealed. Spoke to him. And then the rest of the verses that we read says that God came to him and reminded him of his promises. God reminded him of all the blessings. God reminded him of all the good things. God came. God revealed himself at the altar. At the altar, God revealed himself. Jacob went to that place. Where he first encountered God, he went back and he said, God, I give it all to you. So the altar was a place of worship and a place of sacrifice. It was a place of worship and it was a place of sacrifice. God revealed himself as El Shaddai, the God who is all-sufficient. The word El is majestic, mighty, powerful, awesome El, all-powerful. 
almighty, powerful, majestic, Shaddai sufficient. I'm sufficient to meet your every need. I'm sufficient to meet your family's needs. I'm sufficient to deliver you from that addiction. I'm sufficient to give you a purpose and a meaning. Like, listen, I, I, I know, I know, you know, you, you're hearing that you know you can that you can do whatever you want to do, but I got a plan for you. Just ask me. And I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. God says that. Well, what about my future? And how am I going to do it? Where am I going to go? And what am I going to be? And what kind of job am I going to have? And what's God, what? God says, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm all sufficient for you. Trust in me with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. Come and build an altar, Jacob. I'll reveal myself to you. Jacob, Jacob experiences God again. God speaks to him. And God's speaking to hearts today. God's speaking to you today. God loves you so much. God's speaking to your future and to your destiny. God's, God's saying, listen, listen, if you come, you open your heart. You put your trust in me. I will show myself strong. You know, you don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to take you. You're going to set your course. You're going to see me do great and mighty things on your behalf. And I begin to read through the scriptures, and I begin to see the destiny of Jacob. And, and there's what happened. Here's what happened. This is what God did. God rewarded him. You know how God rewarded him? God changed his heart. I love it. It says, your name was Jacob. Deceiver. That's what the name Jacob means. Supplanter. I mean, from the time he was in his mother's womb when he came out, he grabbed his brother's heel and he tried to steal from his brother first place. He was a manipulator and a deceiver. He had a bad heart. But God came to him. God said, Jacob, you're no longer going to be called Jacob. You're now going to be called Israel. And I love this. You know what the name Israel means? One who contends. One who wrestles with God and wins. One who contends. One who wrestles with God and wins. See, God's created you to win today. God's created you to be the the head and not the tail. God's created you to be a victor today. To be a champion. To be an overcomer. To be a conqueror. But it all starts right here at the altar. Right here at the altar. It starts. When I was a kid, we had actual wooden altars in our church. And, I mean, every Sunday there was an expectation. I, I would wait to see people who would go to the altar because an altar was a place where people would encounter God. An altar was a place where people would set aside a time and say, God, I need an encounter, a fresh encounter with you. I need you to change some things. I need you to show yourself as uh, uh, as. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. I need you to show yourself as Jehovah Chira, the God who provides my every need. I need you to show yourself as Jehovah Shalom, the God of all peace. I need you to show yourself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals all my diseases. I need you, God. See, whatever you have need of today, God loves to reward. God rewarded him. God blessed him. And what did he do? He changed him. He changed his name. Change his personality. Change his personality. Being a deceiver to being a blesser. Listen. Being a taker to being a giver. Being a, to being a liar to being a truth teller. To being a fornicator to being a morally pure person. From being a drunkard to being sober. That's what God did. God changed him. God wants to change us. 
God wants to change you from being a gossiper to being a blesser. God wants to change you from being a worrier to being a woman full of faith. God wants to change you today. He wants to change you from the inside out. And only God can do that in your life. You see, it happened at the place of Bethel. It happened when Jacob built an altar and he encountered God. As an encounter with God left him a changed man. It left him a changed man. I want you to put this one verse up. It's just, I, gotta, I just got to share this with you. It's been in my heart all week long. And then I'm going to just challenge you in just a moment. It's Psalms chapter 5, verse 12. Lisa, can you put that up? Or Josh, can you put that up? I, you got to hear this because some of you experienced this last night. Some of you experienced this verse in this room last night. See, God, God, all by himself has called you. He's initiated it. He's revealed himself. And this is what he says. And this is the promise of the Lord for you. For surely, O oh Lord, you bless the righteous. You bless the righteous. You surround them. Everyone say, you surround them. Oh, he surrounds us. Psalmist says, he surrounds us with a host of angels. He's given them charge over us. You surround them with favor. Everyone say favor. God surrounds us with favor. As with a shield. Last night we were in here in a prayer meeting and it was good. And, but we were just praying for this service. We were praying for the church. We were praying for our lives. And this verse has been ringing. I posted it on Facebook twice this week because I, I just can't escape it. And I didn't know that it was because this is the verse that God would rain upon our church last night. There were 11 young people that went downtown Sanford after the prayer meeting last night. They were playing basketball and someone drove by and popped off six shots. Six shots last night. Michael, I want you to stand up right now. Michael had a bullet. Where'd it go? It grazed right through the side of his hair. Do you have any marks on you? Come on. Because there's a God who surrounded him as a shield with favor. That's the favor of God. You couldn't buy that protection. You couldn't pay for that protection. You didn't earn that protection. But it was the goodness of God. It was the shield of God's favor that protected our young people last night. And I want you to know where it started. It started at the altar. It started at the altar. Because Michael said yes to Jesus. Michael said yes, you're my God. He's passionate. He's going for the Lord. So I want that favor in my life. I want the favor of the Lord. I, I don't know. I mean, all week I've just been aware. I've been aware. My wife sent this document off to the state for the school. And normally when we send stuff off, it just takes like weeks and months and it gets lost in the mail. I overnighted it. it was, this, is an amazing, this has never happened to us before like this. I overnighted it and the guy got it the next day and he approved it the same day that he got it. You know what that's called? That's called favor. We need the favor of the Lord. You see, when favor is called grace, and grace just oils. It oils your life. It just, instead of being hard, and you're always frustrated and struggling, and, well, this, God just opens your heart. And listen, here's the really cool thing we take up to at the very end. At the altar, because the altar is a place of worship. We believe in worship. Worship ignites. Worship draws our heart near to God. We're giving back to Him, which is due Him. 
You know, and we can't outgive God because He's the best giver. And so as you're worshiping, he, He's so good to you. He just comes and He touches you again. And He cleans you up. And you messed up. And he comes just like He did to Jacob. He comes back to Him again. There, Jacob he takes oil and He takes wine. And He pours them out. He pours, takes the oil and the wine. The oil represents the Holy Spirit, God's presence. God wants to pour out on you today. God wants to pour out oil fresh in your life as you build an altar to Him. Wine signifies the sweetness of our relationship with Jesus. It's sweeter. Our relationship with the Lord should get sweeter as the days go by. It should get sweeter as the years go by. That's what it And if it's not, it means that there's some things that we probably need to get off. There's some, probably some things that we need to put away. There's probably some stuff that's still trying to stick on us. That old clothes, we need to cast it all off. I mean, you have a part in it. you got to confess your sins. you got to call upon Him and He will answer. And there's some things that we do. And then the Holy Spirit of God that's in us, our spirit bears witness with His Spirit that we are children of God. He comes and He opens our eyes. There's a verse in Acts where it actually says, A man had scales upon his eyes. And when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the scales... The scales. His name was Paul the Apostle. He couldn't see. He couldn't see. And when the Holy Spirit filled him, the scales fell off. And he could see. He could see clearly. That's what God wants to do for some of you today. God wants to touch you. God wants to fill you. I want you to close your eyes right now. We're going to build some altars this morning. We're going to build some individually. We're going to build. Because everyone, I know everyone in this room. I know every person here today. There's something in your life. There's something that we don't know one's got. I'm, just, I'm the first one. Man. I'm the first one to hit the altars. I'm the first one to recognize my need for God. I've been doing this a long time. And in 2013, I said, God, I want an awakening. I want a fresh reality. Lord, if there's scales, if there's things that I'm blind to, God, I want them to fall off of my life. God, if there's stuff that I need to wash, there's stuff in my mind, wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, wrong conversations, God, I want them to be washed from my mind and from my heart. Maybe there's some things I've had wrong affection for. And I'm saying, God, I don't want that. I want only you. It's all about you, Jesus. And this morning you're here today and you know that God's speaking to you. You know you need to build an altar fresh to the Lord. And that's you. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now, come on in this room. Well, all across this room. Building fresh altars to the Lord. Fresh altars to the Lord. The Holy Spirit's going to do something this morning right now. We're going to stand together as a congregation. We're going to stand together. You raised your hand. I just want you to come and make your way. Just like the old timers used to do. they go to the altar. I'm going to challenge you to come to the altar this morning. And let's make some fresh commitments in 2013. Come on, let's, let's ask God to do. Let's ask God. Let's begin to lift our voice and worship to Him. Just go ahead. Just kneel at the altar. Come on. Just come kneel at the altar. I want you just to come and kneel at the altar.
pray if you need to go at this time. But we're just going to make this an open heaven. We're going to make this an open heaven, like Jacob saw the gates of heaven open. We're going to we're going to allow you to go if you must go. But we're just going to spend some time. There are people at the altar that are seeking, that are making fresh commitments. Maybe you're here this morning and you just want to spend some more time with the Lord. We're just going to ask God to rain down the spirit of this fire. We're going to ask Him to open the windows of heaven over our life in 2013 so that our hearts are open for a fresh awakening. Father, bless your people that they need to go today. Let them go in the power and the grace of the Spirit in Jesus' name.